my monthly podcast. The almost monthly. The almost podcast. monthly podcasts. The semi almost monthly podcast. Yeah, easy to remember. There you go. <laughs> uh, where we talk about issues concerning marginalization, capitalism, expressive art therapy, psychology, being people of color. And, and how that impacts your mental health. And mental health. That's the biggest one. So yeah. <laughs> this is Kareen, uh, one of your hosts. This is Sabrina, another one of your hosts. And unfortunately, our other host, Patrika, is not here today. She sends her love. Go get that scholastic life, girl. We are grad students. Yes. And priorities. As we've said before, grad school gets in the way of this podcast. And unfortunately, it did get in the way of her being able to be present today. But she's always with us. Yes. Not like a dead person who's always with us, but like her spirit oh is always with <laughs> We love you, Patrika. We love you, Patrika. Go get that homework. Yes. Uh, however, we do have a special guest, our first special guest ever on the show. Welcome, Buneshte. Hello, everybody. Yes. Hi, everyone. My name is Buneshte Hakamanishi. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and I am in the same program as Corinne and Sabrina, but my major is expressive arts therapy, which sort of is like the overarching use of all different modalities for therapeutic purposes. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm an international student. I come from India, the land of a billion people, (laughs) and chaos. And chaos. But such great food. Yes. What um, what part of India are you from? Because I know, but, you know, it's a big country. mm -hmm. It is a big country. So I was born in Bombay, which is sort of like the New York, the big cultural capital. Um, And I grew up in a town three hours out of Bombay. So I grew up essentially on the western central part of the country which was relatively more liberal and um spoiler alert i'm not hindu just as everyone coming from india is not hindu i'm part of this like tiny ethnic minority called zoroastrians and we migrated to india centuries ago from persia Mm. after like a bunch of like islamic conquests happened in the region so Mm. yep All right. Thanks for the history. Yeah, for sure. So, Buneshta is here today for our special episode on relationships. Ooh. (laughs) I'm interested to hear about um, relationships not only in a mental health capacity, but also our own cultures and our lives now Mm -hmm. as grad students and empaths. Before we do that, I'd like to check in with everyone. How are we doing mental health-wise, physical-wise, emotional-wise, everything else-wise? I'll answer first. Uh, Well, I'm doing okay. Um, So I have many side gigs, many side jobs. One of them is watching dogs, and I've had many of the same clients uh, over the past year and a half or so. I also drive for Postmates. I also have a job on campus. And then I also, like, at one point was selling hard seltzer at different places in Boston. I'm on the legacy program now, which means that I'm too busy to actually work every weekend. So they're like, but you did good. So you want to just, like, get, like, emails once a month instead of every Monday. And I'm like, cool, man. Sure. So I'm not fired. But I'm not working. <laughs> okay. Um, however, because I do work with dogs, and um, I watch them, and I walk them, and uh, give them a lot of love, and play with them, and 
and do whatever the owners want me to do with their dogs. You'd be surprised at how specific some of these people are. And it's a fun job, but also a responsible job. People don't think it's work. And so mm. I, Sabrina said today, hey, how's work with the dogs? And I was just like, thank you for saying that, because there's a little microaggression that happens when people are just like, oh, my God, you're playing with dogs. It's like, it's actual work, though. Like, I, I usually have to, like, clean up the house as well, clean up after them, like, pick up their shit, literally, mm. you know, like, give them love to make sure That's that so they're exhausting. not. Yeah, it's, it is kind of exhausting. And the thing is, as a full-time grad student, like, I have to leave campus a lot, maybe a little bit earlier, like, leave my internship a little early because they can't be left alone for, like, eight hours by themselves. Whereas, like, this is why I don't have a dog of my own, is that they would die. Like, I, <laughs> I'm just, like, out of the house in the morning, usually by, like, 8, 8.30, and then I don't get home until, like, 9, 10 p.m., you know? Mm. So it's actually work to have to drive all the time and do this and do that. Maybe it's not what the ideal... Uh, uh, idea of work is but it's still work especially like driving for postmates and like things like jobs that people are um contracted to do or their own they're, they're self-contracted to do like that's actually still work yeah um it used to happen a lot as a musician and when you're on tour you're not like just like getting drunk and having fun with your friends like it's fucking work man like mm -hmm. it's hard work and so um that's just been a little microaggression that's always been happening when people ask about my the dogs that I'm working with. Like, yes, they're cute and cuddly, but sometimes, like, I'm fucking allergic to them, and I'm, like, <laughs> you oh, know. Yeah, like, damn. Yeah, like, taking Benadryl and, like, uh, hopped up. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm not allergic to all cats, but, like, some cats, I'm, just, I'm like, dying. So if there's a cat there, too, I just can't oh, yeah. do it. So anyway, yeah, um, I wish that I didn't have to hustle to make money but i do and many many people do please never demean someone's income because you think it's not real work yeah and pretty much every job is real work <laughs> yeah yep labor you know and by pretty much i mean yes every job <laughs> is real work yeah. even if you enjoy it you are still allowed to say that you're exhausted yeah exactly. at the end that's they're true. not mutually exclusive for sure so for stop sure. assuming because people's job sounds fun to you that it's not work yeah yes also what do those people that. think that work is like do you have to be stuck in drudgery is that the only thing <laughs> yeah, that qualifies really? as work that's it yeah yeah that's unfortunate it is to think that yeah or when people are like oh music what do you want to do with that like, oh goodness. shove it up your fucking ass, bitch. Like, shut up. Leave me alone. No one ever asks, like, ooh, accounting. What are you going to do with that? Like, true. You know what I mean? Mm. Just a big... What jobs are valued in our society? Exactly. Different yeah. episode. That's a different talk episode. talk about that. Yeah. Yes. But I'm doing okay, uh, uh, despite. <laughs> yeah. All I'm right. doing all right. Vineshti, how are you? I am tired... But I'm good. Okay. Like, I yeah. feel like I'm striking a balance that I have wanted to for a while. And I know that the next six weeks, because I'm writing my thesis, are just going to be crazy. Oh, my God. Mm. And I've scheduled it all, and I'm ready to go. So I'm ready for this roller coaster. I'm not afraid of it. Yeah. Just going to do it. So I'm good. I'm on the same boat. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm supposed to be writing my introduction right now. Uh, you know But what? there's more important things that can wait. Yeah. You and it's it. a first draft, yeah. There yeah, it's fine. What yeah. is your 
Is that something you can share with our audience? Yeah. What's the topic of your thesis? So I am exploring how intermodal or multimodal improvisation can affect kiddos at my internship and which is a primarily behavioral setting. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of structure, there's a lot of rigidity, and there's a very good rationale for that. The kids are between 6 to 12. A lot of them do have trauma, so consistent adult role models are what they severely lack, and that's what our site provides to them. But at the same time, using the principles of improvisation, so I'm trying to yes and it, so I'm like, yes, Mm -hmm. structure is important, and, and we don't need to lose creativity in that process. Absolutely. So I run a group called Improv Group where we try to do different, new, creative, risky things every mm-hmm. week. And you'd cool. be surprised how much the kids don't want to do it. Yeah. Mm, like, like, I just really want to draw with a pencil. Please don't give me a crayon. I'm what? not interested. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh, when, I say, when I think improv, I think of like, like whose line is it anyway? Exactly. Yeah. Or jazz. Jazz or in music, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And dance. Yeah. A lot of it is okay. And dance. So yes. intermodal improv. Essentially. Mm-hmm. So depending on where the kids are on a particular day, like are they ready to be a little more like cognitive symbolic today? Okay. Are they ready to be a little more kinesthetic today? Do they need to move? Sure. Or do they need to like feel something a little more? Are they ready to be in that place? And depending on that, we use the appropriate modality. Yeah. to take a creative risk. Do you think that it's scary it. because it's seen as performing? I think that... Mm, I'm going to say no, because I think the kids the kids actually have been at the program longer than I have. Mm-hmm. They stay at the program 6 through 12 years of age, or at least a year. Um, and only one kid is new. So they all know that what they do in those groups is supposed to be for them to learn skills for when they graduate. So there is no performance pressure in the group as such, and they're aware of that. They just don't like to do it anyway because they want to do things that they're good at I see. and just yeah. keep doing them <laughs> mm-hmm. and have that like reinforcement. Right. Yeah. Where it's not risky. It's but not risky. It's yeah. still validating their yep. like. And good. then they try something. And then they'll be rewarded and they'll be like, wow, I was good at this all along. It's like, yeah, you were. I love that. And even if they weren't, they had fun. So that's what I'm trying to... I'm trying to explore how that works. If it works, if it doesn't work Mm -hmm. in the setting. But I think it's perfectly healthy that there's fear with trying something new. That's so human. Yes. And the idea is to like recognize that and learn to be comfortable with that uncertainty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like a lot of what we're taught in this program is very much meeting the clients where they're at. And so I kind of like that you're kind of doing a mixture mm-hmm. of that with mm-hmm. meeting them, but also giving them that much needed push to show them yes. that like you're capable of so much more than you mm-hmm. realize. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. In, in music, there's something called the ISO principle, right? Where uh, you meet someone where they're at, you meet mm-hmm. a client where they're at musically though, uh, to reflect Ooh. their mood or their emotion. And then depending on where your goal is to, for them or their goal for themselves, you change the music to mm-hmm. help them get there because music is so connected to the vital organs. It's so right. connected to regulation. So, very cool. Let's talk after this uh, podcast. I wanna, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then another person doing their fucking thesis, her fucking thesis. Ooh, yeah. Woo-hoo. Yeah. So, I'm, I think I'm just surviving, honestly, <laughs> yeah. right now. Yeah. There's a lot going on in my life. And, um, 
also doing the thesis. I can talk a little bit too about what I'm working on. I'm doing a literature review. So basically what I'm doing is I'm kind of comparing two topics, one of them being the long-term effects and experience of immigration and then dance movement therapy mm-hmm. and trying to see how those can work together. Wow. So there's a, there's a, not much research in the dance therapy field on immigrants at all. Mm-hmm. But what I'm starting finding is there's research on recently arrived immigrants and kind of like the trauma of that, the immediate trauma working to stabilize. It's a lot of trauma-informed care, mm-hmm. but there's not a whole lot of dance movement therapy or expressive therapies research on what are the impacts of staying in a country that's not your own for several years and there's a lot of anthropological, sociological, and even mm-hmm. psychological research on that, mm-hmm. but no expressive therapies. So I'm kind of looking at some of the salient themes coming up across the literature that does exist, mm-hmm. and then looking at literature that can maybe support that population in some way in dance therapy and drawing those connections. All right. Mm-hmm. Damn, look at our... That sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah no, I'm, yeah. I'm enjoying reading about it. Because uh, it's a topic I'm passionate about and I care about. I'm a child of immigrants, which makes me a second-generation immigrant. Immigrant, and so even being so far removed from that experience of traveling to a foreign country to move there, I still relate to some of the themes that come up. For sure. Yeah. All right. In terms of like ambiguity with where home mm-hmm. is and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big one. Being separated from extended family in some cases because mm-hmm. they live in another country, just yeah. different things. And then, like, adapting, depending on your developmental level at the time that you mm-hmm. come, adapting to the customs of the new country that you're at yeah. Uh, yeah. for survival or because that's just, like, what you fuck with, right? Uh, yeah. And then feeling disconnected from your home country because people there are like, you don't speak English or Tagalog anymore. Oh, yeah, that's me. Yeah. Anyway, projecting. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> if... Even if you're a second-generation immigrant, if you're an immigrant that is a person of color, you might experience racial discrimination, mm-hmm. which will impact as well your identity development yeah. in the country. So you'll still, even though you were born and raised in that country, you can still be facing a lot of ambiguity about whether you belong in this country. For sure. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So you're surviving? <laughs> I'm surviving, yeah. Yeah. Any microaggressions this week, or have you not been getting bit by the mosquito? There's... I, there's one I can think of. I just, I'm a little hesitant to bring it in. Okay. Because it's kind of related to a class. Okay. Something happened in class, and it wasn't a huge deal. It was just something I noticed where, uh, and it didn't even deeply bother me. It was more just like an observation mm-hmm. of the absence of intersectionality yeah. in classes mm-hmm. where a professor was talking about feminism, and it was somewhat white-centric because it mm-hmm. didn't really bring in the fact that feminism is really different for people, people of color. <laughs> color, yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, the feminist move, the famous feminist movements in the US didn't always necessarily represent people of color. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I just had that thought in class and it was not really brought up. And so I just felt like mm-hmm. a lot of perspectives here are. Not being addressed. Yeah, which is yeah. why we have this podcast, yeah. so we can hopefully talk about that. That is definitely another topic that we... We had this list of, like, 35 topics that we wanted <laughs> to talk about at our very first, like, 
thinking of vitamin POC, and that was definitely one of them. Um, and I think anything Eurocentric or white centric that happens, it, hopefully, will not be considered the quote unquote norm anymore, um, especially in our programs, because there are people who are brave enough to, including y'all in front of me right now, to say something about it. But sometimes, like, it's just like you have to be like, all right, how much energy am I going to put into this right now? I know that this is not intersectional, but, like, how much, like, fire am I willing to let go of my dragon mouth right now? Like, I need to survive this class right now. Oh, yeah. And I'm tired, mm -hmm. and I'm hungry, and, you know, I need to make money one day. So let me just shut the fuck up and, like, let's, let's tap in. And that's, like, an everyday choice. Yeah. You know, and like in that moment, I was not emotionally in a place to, to yeah. bring that up okay. at all. So I didn't that. even feel guilt for not mm -hmm. addressing it in the moment because I know that I was just trying to get through that class. You know what that means? <laughs> it means that you have a healthy relationship with yourself because you know yeah. what will keep you healthy or not. Speaking of relationships with yourself, hey. <laughs> our topic is relationships. If you're listening to this on the day that it's out, happy Valentine's Day! I just want to plug in that oh, yeah. Valentine's Day in Colombia, and I think it should be this way in the U.S. too. It's a different day of the year. However, it's a day of love and friendship. Yes. So it recognizes the importance of multiple types of relationships, which, by the way, if you haven't figured out, we're not going to be talking exclusively about romantic relationships. I feel yeah. like we're not going to be talking that much about romantic not that relationships, much. No. actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're just talking about human relationships. Yeah. For sure. Period. Well, that's interesting that you mentioned that. Um, because I was watching the Super Bowl, which was now two weeks ago and Sunday. I actually went with Brie. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> to Connecticut to watch the Super Bowl with her grandma. It, I know. It was the that's most... That's amazing. It was the most, we, like random thing ever but it was nice um having just a grandma cook potato oh, salad that's delicious you know. <laughs> <laughs> that was Bunesh's style of oh, grandma's food me with my grandma. <laughs> yeah uh but anyway there was this one commercial that was talking about the different kinds of love mm. and while i personally think that you can have a relationship without having love right for example harry potter and voldemort had a relationship true but they were not in love or Extreme had love. example, but valid. Valid, yeah. right? Valid. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, object relations theory in psychology, thank you, former professor Carter Carter, uh, <laughs> said, <laughs> um, talks, uh, so Winnicott and Klein um, ha were the two people who are kind of coined with objects relations theory. And their theory was that object relations are the center of emotional life and everyone has a relationship with every object and people are also objects so i think we all can um observe and validify that like our relationships with people are super important but we can also have relationship with objects mm -hmm. like like what my like coffee cup yes you blank you when you're young yeah you know a lot of babies have transitional objects the mom will give them something that smells like them mm -hmm. to comfort them that's common yeah and then your coffee cup, your blanket turns into your coffee cup in, in grad school. Yeah, because really, what else do you need? <laughs> Facts. Your coffee cup and your laptop. Yeah, for sure. Ideally a dog. There you oh. go. Yeah. Or even maybe just like abstract things like 
your relationship with music yeah exactly yeah mm-hmm. or your relationship with this program mm. expressive art therapy yeah i'm so. thinking too of dance and so much mm-hmm. of my connection to dance has been through what i feel that that dance brings out in me that mm-hmm. i have a hard time bringing out by myself mm-hmm. so like a certain level of just like confidence or strength or sen- or sensuality whatever it may be yeah. Yeah, sure. I wonder if that would count as a transitional object in a way. Maybe. Does it help me to like yeah. form that part of myself and be able to bring it out away mm-hmm. from dance? For sure, yeah. Um, obviously, in the therapeutic setting, the client ther- therapy relationship is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to therapy for the first time a few years ago, and my relationship with my therapist was over two and a half years. Mm-hmm. So with that, when you see someone, like every week or every for the most part like every week for that long like you develop a relationship with them that is so close and so deep and she's getting paid to listen to me talk to her for 45 minutes without Mm -hmm. telling me that i'm an idiot like maybe so little about her i know so little about her but i don't even care well that she was one of those therapists that had nothing on her walls you know what i mean (laughs) i was like you don't know nothing i had i found out she was married because her name showed up differently on my on my like paperwork that's how deep it was and also like she took a vacation in september bitch like it is the beginning of school you know (laughs) no no therapist takes a vacation like right when like everyone comes back to their regular schedules like you were on your honeymoon you're 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 tan now yeah and i was like ooh, that that bling bling i see it but you know what it's cool good for you therapist um Anyway, she left to get a better job, and I have been struggling ever since. Mm. You know, I've had, like, one appointment with somebody who was a person of color. She seemed great, but it just wasn't there. That connection Mm. wasn't there, and she didn't know what um, her experience with queer people, she didn't have any. Mm. Um, So, I mean, I'm sure she was a great therapist, but... You know what I mean? Like when you can feel yeah. it, you can feel the yeah. connection whether or not. And I have this new therapist now. She's cool, but I just haven't been seeing her regularly enough. Mm-hmm. When I come into her ther- therapist space, first of all, she's in pediatrics and it's hard to get a room, like two rooms. So oh. she's just, she's a pediatric and she's, and she has her LMHC. So she can do okay. counseling as well. But I'm going in there and there's like toys and it's like, okay, this is cute. But then she puts <laughs> on like Enya, you know, like what? music in the background. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Oh my god, and that so music. Go and first I was like, what the fuck? But then after I'm like, this is so soothing right now. Like I feel she like she knows what she's doing. She knows exactly what she's doing. That she music. Enya so gets you. Yes. I started listening to Enya and I surprised myself with how much I was into it. <laughs> oh it catches you by surprise. Yeah. 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 My mom was so into it. It's what I grew up listening. It didn't even seem weird and then I grew up and I was like this sounds like sex music. <laughs> it was so good. Who's having so sex to Enya? That's really Who dramatic. Is sex? <laughs> Everybody should be having sex to Enya. Maybe, yeah, maybe that's... Oh, yeah. Oh, I think I need to put good. on my bucket list. <laughs> we will not be doing that. <laughs> just so you know. Uh, okay, so those are just some basic um, relationships that happen in the therapeutic space that we're always talking about. So going back to the Super Bowl, there was this one commercial. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. Tangent. There was this one commercial that talked about the, I 
and I can't even think of what company was selling this thing, but they were like, there are four different kinds of love in the um, Greek um, philosophy or whatever. And I think they were trying to sell like insurance or some shit. Oh like my that. goodness. <laughs> but I thought it was really interesting that they would bring this up. So I kind of did a little bit of research. Not really. I googled. Um, <laughs> this different kinds That's of love. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and on psychology today, I would like to offer the seven kinds of love. Oh. And see, because it's Valentine's Day, mm. um, what is valid, what we think is whack, and maybe huh. why some are valued more than others. Mm. Oh, Let's yes. do it. Let's love. Talk okay. About- One, arrows. Do we know what Eros is? No. Okay, great. Passion. So, yeah. Yeah. So Eros is sexual or passionate love. The Enya love. <laughs> no, exactly. not. Enya's higher than that. It's not pure <laughs> passion there. Yeah. So um, psychology today says that it's the type that's most akin to our modern construct of romantic love. Mm-hmm. And in Greek myths, it is a form of madness brought on about by one of uh, Cupid's arrows. So that's why we follow. So it's love. that like infatuated love, uh, yeah. that early stage love. Like yeah. I want to have this. Yeah. I must I need have you. you. Yes. Oh God. Yeah. The kind of love you seek when you're like really young. Sure. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe that fairy tale love. Yeah. Like, or or that like teen love. Teen that reminds love? me of like yeah. young love. Yeah. You know? Teen love where you like find someone's name out and then you write it obsessively in your notebook yeah. with your name and you're ready to be consumed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> do teens do that anymore? I don't know. I don't know. Good question. <laughs> Probably not. Right. What do um, teens do I know nowadays? I did that. They did that. stock them on Snapchat or something? I, don't I know. was going to say Snapchat. Yeah. 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 Or maybe or they TikTok. write their name on, in their iPad over and over again. Okay. Let's stop talking about teens. <laughs> okay, teens. So, Eros. The, like, we passionate, like, mm-hmm. most akin to romantic love. Okay? I'm going to argue against that, but let's go. Keep going. Yeah, well, because there's seven, so you'll see. Okay. okay. Two is Philia. So philia is friendship or shared goodwill. Aristotle believed that a person can bear goodwill to another for one of three reasons that he found was useful, that someone is pleasant, someone is useful, and someone is, above all, rational and virtuous. So that's why we're friends. Useful is interesting. I know. Um, So it's not associated with only mutual benefit, but also with companionship and trust. So friendship. Maybe that's what he meant by useful. Yeah. Like they're yeah. there for you. Sure. Not like they useful. They serve a like, purpose. Yo, baby, let's go listen to some Enya. Can you make me some eggs? <laughs> Thanks for being useful. You know useful. what? I was thinking of the weirdest thing that came to mind as those people that help you every day without you knowing it. Yeah, sure. But... The well, people that you don't necessarily have the mm-hmm. relationship with. That's one of the next loves. Like the lovely up. people at like public safety. I have a great mm-hmm. friendship with them because I work at the visitor services desk and they help me and I help them. But oh, that's all go. it is. They're like useful and it's a friendship. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah. For sure. Well, companionship and trust too is part of it. We'll go through the seven because I think that's one of them that's coming up. But Philly, I think of Philadelphia, city, city of brotherly love. I did not I didn't know, know that, that was, was a thing. Tagline. Oh, oh my god, you didn't. <laughs> is that where the word Philadelphia comes from? The city of brotherly love. Yeah. <gasps> Prob- yeah. Oh, oh my gosh, I had oh no idea. Oh my god, you guys. Okay, so number three. I'm from, but I, I'm Miami also gonna Florida. say like Philia is a suffix that's used in a lot of different terms, and yeah. it definitely is not used with the definition that we just went over. No. Right, like. Mm-hmm. 
Well, for Plato... So many unfortunate <laughs> failures, but yeah. It is, yeah. Hmm. Uh, for Plato, it was the best kind of friendship that oh, which okay. lovers have for each other. Um, and Philia was born of Eros, and that in turn feeds back into the Eros to strengthen, strength, strengthen, develop, and transform the lust and the possession that you have for Eros into Philia, which is the love. So Plato so, was talking about that kind of that the succession yeah, in, a in Plato's in Plato's. I mean, okay. Plato ain't fucking like you know, end all be all. He, he was probably a very smart man though. Um, yeah. but <laughs> he had a lot of time to think about these things because there were other people doing stuff for him so that's probably why mm-hmm. he had so much time on his hands his privilege yeah, made him think of Ophelia okay yeah. number three is storge and that's familiar familial love mm-hmm. it's a kind of philia so um, it's pertaining the love between parents and their children mm-hmm. brother and their sister like family love what does he say about that? Oh, okay. What does he say? Um, <laughs> it differs from most philia in that it tends, especially with young children, to be unilateral or asymmetrical. So, you know, you know when people are like, the love that a mother has for her daughter or the love, you just don't know what the unconditional love between, oh, right. like, yeah. family members are until you're, I don't know, like, mm. uh, I feel like I feel like it'd be different with siblings, though. Maybe. Like, it wouldn't be that, you know, one-directional love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With siblings. Sure. It's interesting, though. It's it's interesting because he also says that given enough time, Eros tends to mutate into Storge, the Mm. familial love. So... Okay. That that makes sense. sense. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Like, if you're thinking of the words words for it, like, when someone gets married, right, after their passionate love, now they're family... Or friends that you start to consider family at some right. point. Exactly. You're right. And then you have like brother and sister in laws and now we're family. Right. And then that, you know, that means something supposedly. I have a question about this later. Okay. 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 Agape. We know this. Do we know this? I'm sorry, agave. I don't. It just makes me think of agave. agave. And it makes it hard to remember. <laughs> yeah, agave. Love. <laughs> agave love is, is vegan. Agape. Sweetness. Agape. Well, but what is agape love? Agape is like agape, so it's like big open love. Right. It's the love yes. for oh. like the for humanity. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So, I have that. Aww. Yes, you do. I hope we what all do, do as therapists. I think we <laughs> all do. We would not yeah. be here otherwise. That's a really hard love to you know what? sustain, you though. Think so, but there's some people in my classes that I'm like, you're trying to be a therapist? Like, true. It's true. Sometimes I do have my doubts. Maybe they just <laughs> love some people unconditionally and other people with a lot of conditions, you know? I there don't know. I have my I have my moments where it's really hard to love humanity. It is. Me too. Yeah. yeah. Me too. So let's see. Um it's a universal love, the love for strangers. The mm-hmm. love of, like, godliness. Mm-hmm. The love of... The Jesus-type love. Yeah, unlike Storge, it does not depend on affiliation or familiarity. Uh-huh. So, like, you know, people, like... I mean, I love him because, like, Jesus says to love somebody or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or but, those viral videos on YouTube where people mm-hmm. are just high-fiving everyone on the road. Okay. And, like, have you seen Modern those? Agape. Modern yeah. Agape, yeah. I haven't seen those. They're usually sponsored by, like, Coca-Cola or probably some evil company to, like, give mm. them better brand image. Of course. Mm-hmm. But they're like, hey, everybody, just uh, pause, reflect on your day, make eye contact with people, don't look at mm. your phones, and while you're looking, 
buy our product mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. yeah sure yeah i think so, an interesting thing that is said here is that more generally altruism mm-hmm. or agape yeah so he like says those oh. two are the same helps to build and maintain the psychological social and indeed environmental fabric that shields sustains and enriches us uh, given the increasing anger and division in our society and the state of our planet, we all could do with a little bit more agape. Yeah. This really. feels like a spiritual type of love. Sure. It does. And it reminds me of uh, like different podcasts or conversations that I really resonate with that talk about how we need to bring spirituality into politics or how they're actually completely connected. Sure. Yeah. But we don't treat it mm-hmm. as they are. Right. Right. As if they are. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of, I'm a big sports fan, as our listeners know, and how when Black Lives Matter first, which, first of all, Black Lives Matter is seven years old now. Wow. It's crazy. That's Yeah, rest wow. in peace, Trayvon Martin, but old. he would have been 25 a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But it's seven years since uh, George Zimmerman shot him in cold, dead right. blood murder. We're going we're to call it exactly what it was, even though he was acquitted. It was, it was fucking racist murder. murder, blood murder. Um, and Black Lives Matter started shortly after that. But when um, certain players in the NBA, and this was around the time when I think uh, my, the Miami Heat were the like the world champs at the time. So like LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, mm-hmm. all those people the were yeah they were the the, the more popular players. Um, all came out wearing Black Lives Matter shirts. Mm-hmm. And after mm-hmm. the young man, uh, the man in Staten Island, the one who kept saying, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, was that? Eric. Eric Gardner. Eric Gardner. Yeah. Uh, so they came out wearing I can't breathe shirts mm-hmm. and, like, each said something about, like, racism and being black. And <laughs> the people who were like, shut up, you're here to play. You know? Or the people who were like, this is not necessary for professional sports. Like, you don't see white people coming out and being, like, white pride or They're whatever. missing some agape. They're, they have zero agape because they're looking at these players... As objects. Exactly. Mm-hmm. To satisfy a very specific need that they have. Be like, entertain me, mm-hmm. and I don't want to see you as human. Exactly. Yeah. Like, And just think about how different people's political ideologies would be if they really brought this into their politics. Right. So, agape yeah. is... Okay. So, there's... Three more, and they're kind of lesser. Okay. Ludus. Ludus. I want to say, like, ludicrous. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I was thinking Lumos, like Harry Potter. Ludicrous. Okay, so Luda. 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 It's playful or uncommitted love. Ludicrous <laughs> <laughs> love. Um, yeah, it's like a So it involves, um, like, teasing, dancing, flirting. Oh, I like this. Seducing. Listen, seducing and conjugating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like this loving in our pods. Ludus mm-hmm. is what like dating apps have taken away from us. Oh, okay. Say more. Yes. I feel like this playful, physical, real time, real world contact is what we're missing now because we totally. might jump straight to the conjugation. Mm. But, like, miss all the bodily cues and the playfulness sure. that happens between two bodies before that. Right. Mm-hmm. Or maybe maybe it's also that we're jumping straight to, like, we're here to date. Yeah. And we've never met before. Versus, oh, I just met this person. 
and they're cute or whatever. I don't yeah. know. Mm-hmm. And so there's like that ludus to build up <laughs> to figure out. Well, if you have that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, philia. And then, <laughs> and then uh, I don't know what came but next. But this definitely yeah. sounds more teenager-y, right? Sure. Like the back no. and forth that happens. Play is not reserved for children. No, I know. <laughs> I'm not this. Like, I, I, I believe that i, I know believe, you do as an I expressive that, therapist yeah please not reserve for children i'm the biggest child in my family yeah but at your birthday we we did improv comedy yeah my birthday <laughs> was like a pajama party it was yeah because yeah. i wanted to regress i was like i'm not ready to turn 25 right. just uh-huh. yet oh my god i just can't stop, i can't stop thinking about your partner's <laughs> outfit at that pajama party <laughs> it was inappropriate but he didn't get the memo so we did what we could we improvised his outfit because it was going to be a little more revealing (laughs) no definitely not happening yeah so anyway i think this when i hear this Mm -hmm. what i think of is like that first teenager love and there's so many bollywood songs just dedicated to the Mm. first love that you have in your life like the first love those first looks that first swooning feeling that you get when you see somebody oh first heartbreak Mm. That Why Cheryl did you go to heartbreak? I'm just thinking of that because no. it's all—it's all so intense because it's the first, like the yeah, good sure. and the bad. I'm thinking that of that Cheryl okay. Crow song. The first, first cut is the, the deepest. Oh my goodness! The this I'm is what stop. you need right I'm now. Not <laughs> No, but that's interesting. There's a lot of Bollywood songs about like the first. A lot, yeah. and they all usually start like in the classic 90s setting which is college because in high school you're just like in the same gender like school so Mm. you go out into college you see there's people of like other genders and you're like (gasps) and this is obviously heteronormative but the most common song of the 90s was like um the first intoxication the first love this is like <laughs> a new thing and i'm ready to wait for like this feeling to overcome hmm. me i'm translating the lyrics in my head but yeah it's a very crazy song and then they just kept following because that formula worked for bollywood yeah, so they just so. did more of yeah and it sounds like it is a lot of waiting because it's till college exactly. yeah and it's like you're looking at the person and then the person is running away and then you're coming <laughs> back and then you're just it's all non-verbal communication okay, for wow. a really long yeah time. so that's what it says it says um, the focus is on fun mm. and sometimes also conquest with no strings attached though is the big thing so Luda's relationships are casual mm. undemanding and uncomplicated but for all that can be long lasting so like this is like the, the love of the buddy? century no yeah. I kind of I think like more fuck buddy, buddy. Yeah. but I feel like that's what people are going for a lot more often these days right and for psychology today does say problems arise when one party mistakes ludos for eros where ludos is in fact much more compatible with like philia than it is with eros because eros is like that deep passionate it's kind of like, like I must have you and you only is that what yeah but maybe what we actually because I feel like I don't know, I'm just thinking, and maybe I'm misunderstanding Ludos and Eros, but I'm, I'm feeling like Eros is that kind of love that is a little bit dangerous to chase. Okay. Ludos? You know, no, Eros. Oh, Eros. Mm. Yeah, and it whereas might it, be. Is it really that healthy for you? But, like, Ludo sounds a lot more healthy sure. to yes. become something more like Philia and the third one that I keep forgetting. Uh, that, agape. No, no, there was oh. one before Agape. That, oh, the familial. Right. Yeah. That 
the mm-hmm. partner Store? could become Store the feminine. Storge. Storge, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Our yeah. listeners are probably like, what, <laughs> what the fuck what is happening, happening right now? <laughs> what are so you I think about what they're saying is that the danger is, is when it's something casual, maybe y'all are hooking up, or even you're just like having a lot of fun and flirting and all that, mm-hmm. and then somebody is like, oh my God, I'm in love with you. And it's just not mutual. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Experience with that, yes. I'm laughing because at the beginning of this episode, I was like, we're not going to be talking about romantic. <laughs> <laughs> this is all we've been talking about. Yo, listen. But we, we will it, switch. Can we help it? No, because, like, I think people this forget about the agape love, and they forget about the love that you have for, like, your fucking, like, aunt or whatever. And your friends. You know? Yeah. Your friends is the biggest really, one. I feel like yeah. in this culture, at least, I don't know about how it is um, in India, but which obviously would be, like, different in different places. But mm-hmm. I feel like we, as we get older, we start to give much less attention and value to friendships because mm-hmm. we live in this, like, nuclear society, like, nuclear family society. Mm-hmm. So then, like, the priority switches to, like, finding a part a long life partner and have kids and whatever and that becomes like the central focus Mm -hmm. which arguably is of course shifting now in certain ways for better or worse um and it's not heteronormative i mean it's heteronormative but it's not just for heterosexual people either is the thing yeah yeah i don't think that pressure is only on heterosexual people right i think it's in general like a pressure applied Mm -hmm. in this society and then i feel like friendships take a back seat right yeah, I hate that. Have you ever had that friend who like was yeah. always there for you, or like we all we all hung out, or I did something, and then all of a sudden they like got Absolutely. a partner and then yeah. just like disappeared. Yeah. Right. I'm That's embarrassed rough. to say that I have been that friend, and I deeply regret that. Mm. So my conscious effort is to not do that anymore. Yeah. Good. Yeah. We learned yeah. something. Very nice. It's hard. It is. Yeah. It Especially is. when our cultures tell us, like in Filipino culture. Okay, <laughs> I have a story. In Filipino culture, like I would go to family functions and I haven't been in a very long time but before I was out people I mean the first question so do you have a boyfriend oh yeah do you have a boyfriend yeah and I'm just like no I'm just focusing on my studies and then like because that's like the easiest way to just how old were you I was probably a teenager okay yeah I was definitely not asked that question because I think Mm -hmm. everyone was hoping I don't have a boyfriend at that age yeah yeah so or at least like in my early like maybe late teens mm-hmm. or whatever um and then it was like i came out shit was weird for a little bit but then when i would come around again it was like oh so do you have a girlfriend you know it was never like thing. yeah it was like it's never like oh do you ha- do you have love for yourself or i don't know yeah. you know like it's always yeah. like how's your relationship with you right or like <laughs> what's up with your yeah. life how it's, are your friends you exactly know? it's how never like how are your going? friends mm-hmm. not like Ooh, do you have a... So it's like... Do you have one other specific person that can meet all your needs now? That is the other thing that's so crazy. That we put so much pressure on it. That's not how people work. Thank you for saying that. But essentially, that's the underlying question, right? Like, Mm -hmm. do you have one other person that's meeting all your needs right Mm -hmm. now? And And that's also new. Newer than, like, the nuclear family thing. It is. Marriage was more contractual before. Which yep. brings us to number six, pragma. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, pragmatism, right? right? So, pragma is the kind of practical love found on reason or duty and one's long-term interests. Sexual attraction actually takes a back seat in favor of personable mm-hmm. qualities and compa- compatibilities, shared goals, and just making shit work. Yeah. So, I mean, the example that they say is, like... Um, 
most visibly in high-profile celebrity pairings or, like, political mm-hmm. pairings. Right, that makes sense. Yeah. Right. But, no, I did want to say more about that uh, new thing in marriage. Like, I think it's pretty... It's still very new, and it's even newer in other cultures around the world, the idea of, like, marrying for love. Mm-hmm. It is, definitely. Yeah, and I think we're... But then we're still trapped in this nuclear, like, family structure here, at mm-hmm. least, right? And so there's so much pressure now because now marriage isn't just about developing that nuclear family and that kind of, like, contractual support and continuance of the human species or whatever. Um, It's now also love. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like you need to fulfill my emotional needs, my physical needs, my financial needs, my intellectual needs, my every, my spiritual needs, Mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. And it's just, it's impossible. Like, it is impossible. expect one person to do that. Nope, you can't. It is impossible. And that's exactly what so many marriages in my family and in other families I have known in the previous generation have looked like Mm -hmm. is that that's that's all they've wanted and then I've known people who didn't get married for that very reason and now Mm -hmm. regret it saying it would have been nice to just have a companion Mm. to just have someone to spend your life with even if you're not continuously sexually aroused by them. I don't mm-hmm. think that's the purpose. Mm-hmm. And weirdly enough, that's what my aunt asks me to look for. She asks, I think she asked me to look for this pragmatic love. She's like, oh, the passion, it dies out very soon. What you really want is someone who Sustains. is compatible with your values. Mm-hmm. What she essentially means is another Zoroastrian boy. So she's trying to push me into this, <laughs> marry the sure. same religion as you right. and marry a boy, right? So yeah, ideally Zoroastrian boy. So that's what she's trying to tell me but this idea is very prevalent in my family Mm -hmm. still that you marry someone who you can see having a long-term compatible comfortable easy relationship with for sure so do you do you not feel like there's that crazy pressure to fulfill all the needs but just more like some pragma Yes, that's from the generation before me. In mm-hmm. our generation, we definitely want to marry for love and have all these needs fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I don't deny that, like, it's crazy to expect one person to do that because I yeah. could not do that for mm-hmm. my partner. So, like, to expect yeah. the opposite. Mm-hmm. But it's not our fault because it's no, in movies, it's, not. it's in songs, it's, it's everywhere. It is, right? It's true. And, like, so, um, I don't know if any of y'all have read Aziz Azari's book, Modern Love. Mm-mm. Well, mm-hmm. I... I read it and then listen to the rest on audio tape but an imp- a fact that he brings up is he compares generations before how people would find love and people that they would marry mm-hmm. versus now with the dating apps right mm-hmm. like before it was geographic as well like you would yeah and the same thing happened with my mom like in the philippines like she I, my birth father is someone that lived in her apartment building like you you meet someone mm. in your village mm-hmm. you um hook up with someone and accidentally have me uh of somebody who is a family friend or something like right. that right uh, so it's more like like oh this is my this is what my world looks like this is these are the parameters of my world for listeners i'm putting my arms out right now like in like i'm hugging the microphone but this is these are the parameters of my world and you know, when are you ever going to find somebody? You know, it's just, like, yeah. it's very geographical. Right. Um, so I feel like that pragma love exists there, too, because it's, like, pragmatic. Absolutely. Like, we're yeah. already here. Yeah. Versus, like... They grew up with you. They know what you want. Exactly. You know what they yeah. want. Yeah, even if you yeah. don't have that, like, deep passion yeah. about it. I feel like there's many movies that, like, have this, too. That one movie with, like, Jude Law and... Um, so many movies. 
Yeah, exactly. We're like, oh, you married him because it's practical versus somebody else yeah. who you had this deep love for. Mm-hmm. But everyone has different needs. Anyway, versus uh, the modern love, which is like you have an app that you can literally like put as much or little information as you want. And depending on somebody's interest, you can just like swipe no. I don't know what was left no I don't I don't do that you can X out hard them I don't know so whatever it is right, right. right. Yeah. like oh this is the, here's the perfect girl she's pretty she uh like sports she's person of color oh wait she's a Chicago she's not a Chicago Blackhawks fan fuck that no <laughs> you know we're like looking for the perfect one yes like y'all said to fulfill every single one of our not only needs but our ideals and our desires yes right. where sometimes our needs sometimes like it take a back seat you know like bitch or find like, somebody who like friends and family to also help yep. you meet those needs or a, some communities or spiritual outlet exactly or, yeah. yeah i think and i'm guilty of it too but i'm that's something i'm like actively working on like to not mm-hmm. to try to not put that pressure on anybody a yeah. friend a nobody lover, deserves whatever. that yeah it's too much yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's a lot of pressure it's hard though and then the last one the most important one, in my opinion, mm. is philuatia, which Ooh, is self-love. Oh. It can be healthy or unhealthy. Unhealthy self-love is akin to hubris. In ancient Greece, a person could be accused of hubris if he placed himself above the gods. Or like certain modern politicians it's above the greater good. Oh, good. Hubris <laughs> yeah. Pride, yeah. Exactly. So, I, for me personally, my relationship with myself didn't start until way later. Mm. Um we're talking about like self objects and things that like help us transition for a while there I was wearing a lot of flat brims and a lot of hats because it made me feel like who I really was Mm. and it was the object the my relationship with that object was what helped Mm. me find my relationship with myself so like I think without number seven without philuatia I personally think it's hard to have an authentic love of any other ones that you that Mm. we just mentioned absolutely yeah yeah I think that's why we do a lot of like self-reflection, ref- right. uh, all this stuff, and especially in our um, uh, field, because how can kind of like RuPaul says, how 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 can you love somebody if you don't love, fucking mm-hmm. love yourself? She, that's not what she says. <laughs> but I if you don't that. love yourself, yeah. how the hell are you gonna love anybody else? Yeah, I believe that that quote specifically. Okay. I do believe that self-love is very important to also have healthy relationships with others yes because i think if you have a lot of issues with yourself you're gonna kind of get triggered and we and work out that stuff mm-hmm. in your relationship dynamics with your friends or partners or whatever um but i don't i feel like that's harsh and a very general strong statement to say like mm-hmm. if you don't love yourself you can't love somebody else i think that i just don't agree with that i think okay plenty of people can love and not love themselves maybe that makes them more susceptible to a love that's not healthy that's possible like where they give too much because they don't love enough themselves enough to set boundaries but i do think they can still like love another person yeah i think it would just be very volatile sure it can be Yeah. yeah but i think you need to have like a minimum amount of love i think a generally good self-concept or then you're just going to mm-hmm. i've seen a lot of people who feel badly about themselves and so tend to project that and then just feel badly about everybody saying humanity sucks i hate people right and that can often that can happen 
you can also like find self love through like an actual secure relationship mm-hmm. with someone mm-hmm. else. Yeah, Something that's called co regulation okay. is where you learn to regulate your own emotions through a safe relationship that you've built with someone else. Yeah. I feel like that's a segue <laughs> into cultural relational theory. Woo-hoo! But I did want to say I do agree that maybe there is a deep level of self loathing that can make it impossible to love others it can like, make I think it very difficult people with like narcissistic yeah. personality disorder yeah or like even even borderline personality where you're like so afraid to trust someone that you're constantly you're either idealizing them mm. and then when they don't meet that ideal they're the worst human being that ever existed right. and then it's like and was so, that really love yes yeah so like bell hooks would yeah. say no <laughs> yes <laughs> Um, yeah. Yeah, but I did want to talk about relational cultural theory because that is all about relationships. And it's it's I think it's an interesting segue from loving yourself mm-hmm. because basically what this theory says is that human beings grow through and toward connection. Mm-hmm. And it basically says that the self and other aren't actually separate. It's more of like a dance yeah. between each other mm-hmm. where Yourself is composed of your relationships with others, mm-hmm. and your re- your re- your relationship to others also impacts both the relationship and their conception of self. For sure. And so it's it's kind of the idea that there's like this meta level of interconnectedness between mm-hmm. human beings. Yeah. And that like everything we are is like because of relationships. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. And I think that theory kind of co- co- coincides with the agape idea mm. of oh, everything absolutely. connecting, therefore everything is love. Yeah. And I, I actually appreciate this theory because it does bring in that like political agape mm-hmm. where we, if we grow through connection, then we would suffer and go through pain and harm through disconnection. Okay. And they distinguish between acute connection and chronic, uh, acute disconnection and chronic disconnection. Mm-hmm. So acute disconnection is actually positive mm-hmm. and needed for relationships to progress. Mm-hmm. So and for trust to build. Mm-hmm. So, for example, um, attunement between a mother and a baby if that baby is constantly if that mother is constantly attuned to the baby constantly connected that's overwhelming for a human being and that has negative implications too to like your concept of self and healthy developments like that or to make it a little more like later in life if somebody says something that upsets you and so you experience an acute disconnection but you're able to talk about it and then that person is able to um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like amend it or fix sure. it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like then, yeah. Or then yeah. you can kind yeah. of reach this new level of like, oh, I trust you because I know yes. that if we do hit a moment that's difficult, we can get past it. Right. And it kind of proves to you like the value of that person in your life mm. and yourself and all of those things. Yeah. But chronic disconnection is something really serious, which is more like consistent disconnection, right? From in an extreme case, humiliations, violations, abuse, and emotional neglect. And I think maybe a more subtle version of that would be something like a relationship where you feel like you're always doing the listening 
sure. and they're never yep. really there for you mm-hmm. and maybe they're not maybe they're not abusive but it still always feels like I'm never connecting to you because like you never right. give yeah. right right yes oh my god yeah and it talks about how all of the isms in our societies and all of the oppression in our society because this theory goes beyond like personal relationships it goes into like societal relationships okay. as well which are built mm-hmm. off personal relationships yep um if you're marginalized, you experience chronic disconnection at a much higher rate. Yeah. Because society is basically perpetuating these disconnections for you. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciate this theory. And I think of agape, yeah. where if like you're not valued at the same level in a society mm-hmm. and you're oppressed, you're, you're not really being treated with agape. You're mm-hmm. not being seen as deserving of that like humanity and right. love and altruism and all of right. that. And in order for that to happen, the systems that cause the inequality of that systematically, mm-hmm. systematically have to be torn down. Right. So it, it's very weird to think about agape love working in a society like yeah. this when one person is pretty much, I don't know, there's a, just even being marginalized in the first place, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's kind of taken away a little bit of your humanity. Wasn't there a quote oh, that was, like, awesome? That oh, yes. Let's yeah. bring that quote in. <laughs> yeah. So that quote is that relationships move at the speed of trust and social change moves at the speed of relationships. Oh. Yeah. So that quote is by Reverend Jennifer Bailey, who teamed up with a woman named Lennon Flowers And basically, they do this thing called the People's Supper, where they've hosted over 1,500 suppers in more than 120 cities and towns in the country. And their whole idea is to strengthen our individual and collective resilience to repair, I'm quoting from the website, to repair the breach in our interpersonal relationships across political, ideological, and identity differences. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I got this from thepeoplesupper.org if you're interested in reading about it. And basically, their idea is that we're going to bring social change through relationships, through bringing people together. Mm -hmm. And their goal is in these dinners is to have people of all different, like they said, political, ideological, and identity backgrounds, perspectives. Yeah. Yeah. That's lit. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, a lot to think about. Yeah. For sure. I think that's why segregation is such an effective tool of, like, perpetuating racism. Yeah. Absolutely. Because, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to, I think... To be racist, to be sexist, whatever, you have to dehumanize the other, mm-hmm. which is really difficult if you're in relationship with them. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah. When you don't have support and you don't have that, all these different kinds of love, right? Mm-hmm. But even like one or two of them, yeah. it's just easier to isolate you and to defeat you one by one. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In social psychology, there's something called contact theory, which pretty much says the same thing that just by virtue of being in contact with members of the out group, you are more likely to see the humanity in them. Yeah. So a very simple experiment is they had kids from the from occupied Palestine and from Israel mm. like fix a bike together. And at the end of that they interviewed them. And before that, obviously those kids were raised in two very different um, conditions and had stereotypes about the other side. Right. And after fixing that bike and working through that together Mm. they had really different descriptions much Mm. more 
um, empathetic descriptions of each other. Yeah. So just mm-hmm. contact hypothesis, yeah. saying that you have yeah. to see the other person, like really look into their eyes and see right. the humanity in them, or just mm-hmm. do something with them. Yeah, I think we were talking about earlier how difficult it is to have a copy right now. Yeah, but mm-hmm. that story is so beautiful to me because I think it speaks to how natural it is for us to want to be in relationship with others and when we're given the space to do it like a safe space to do it it happens and they're children right so i think it's quicker with them Mm -hmm. to kind of start changing their perspective right definitely because they they aren't like hammered in yet right but i still think it speaks to like how 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 relationships are really like our nature yeah. and mm-hmm. yeah racism sexism all those things which make it really difficult to believe in humanity's good mm-hmm. interfere with that but given the space given a world without capitalism yeah what could we be doing with each other like how For beautiful sure. could the world be if we didn't have capitalism if we had a world that was more geared towards egalitarianism and relationship Mm -hmm. and yeah i still think like there would still be introverts right there would still be people with negative mental health there would still be murders there would still be murders there would still be things that like um give people depression Mm -hmm. or um anxiety Mm -hmm. things like this but i don't think it would just be embedded in how we're supposed to be living right now i don't think it would be rampant yeah it feels rampant it feels rampant and it's just still stigmatized to a point Mm. where if you can't fucking get your shit together if you're if your mental health isn't together then you lose and uh just because you can't be productive and you can't produce anything of value Mm -hmm. if you're lying in bed yeah. And then that's that's what we've been raised to, like, gauge our worth with. So now my worth mm. doesn't come from mm-hmm. relationships. I have, like, a really happy family, but, like, I'm trying to find worth in work, so I'm staying over time because yeah. I want to produce things and I want to play, mm-hmm. like, busy Olympics with sure. everyone else, right? right? Yeah. God I'm forbid I rest God. all day. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no! <laughs> you monster! <Yeah. laughs> So just doing something for the sake of doing it is already demonized Mm -hmm. because why are you doing it if you're not getting anything productive out of it? Exactly. It's happening in my internship right now Mm. where there are camps of music therapy that are rehabilitative, right? Um, Different parts of expressive arts that are completely rehabilitative. Mm -hmm. For example, um, homie can't talk. He has aphasia. And by getting him to sing... Because, yep. like, music affects all different parts of the brain, especially mm-hmm. the memory centers. He can actually sing his name. So instead of saying, he can't talk really well, but now he's saying, hi, my name is Joe. That's so amazing. And then yeah. all of a sudden, it's like, hi, my name is Joe. And then it becomes more regular, right? Yep. Mm. I feel like some people um, are having these realizations now that, like, if they're not doing that, what they're doing in music therapy is, like, not as important or not as relevant. So if you're not, like, changing someone's life completely in a very visible and very empirical way, mm. like, in my one of my one-on-ones, I'm having my client play, pick preferred music, and I'm playing it to her on a guitar. Right. And sometimes I don't know the song, so we'll listen to it. And then she plays the drums. And what did I really do? Like she still is her same condition as she was before 
I gave her a little bit of joy for half an hour. And she says, see you next week, you know. there's That's amazing. You it took is. her out of isolation so the for a That's the thing. Of like, we developed this relationship. Exactly. And she trusts me. Mm-hmm. And I think, right, it's really hard to not let that idea of how productive am I being mm. um, Very, in my yeah. work right now take over the importance of the actual relationship that you're building yep. with your client that you can't measure necessarily on a piece of paper you got or through you. an assessment. Nope. Right? Yeah. And so I think it's hard to be supportive and mm-hmm. show that. And that's why, like, like, I think some of the best relationships, like, we don't even know what they are because they're not, like, posting it on Instagram and they're not, like, shouting it on the top of the road on Facebook and they're not, like, mm-hmm. you know, like, always in the forefront because right. they're connecting with each other and doing these things behind the screen yeah. and when no one knows what's happening. And I feel like that, if you can't have that, you can't have the rehabilitative stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, Absolutely. You know? And so... How are you supposed to let a stranger rehabilitate you without knowing anything, without having any sort of emotional connection with that person? Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's what's ironically enough science expects and knows it doesn't happen and still continues to expect that time mm. and time again under the guise of objectivity yeah mm. but more yeah. often than not it is always the presence point. of like some sort of a relationship whether it's a relationship that motivates you with like hate and anger or a relationship that motivates you with like peace and love yes. is that you're going to do something Voldemort versus yep. Dumbledore yep <laughs> That was such a good point, though, because we are in this, like, increasingly capitalist world trying to make a profession that is really about the relationship, and that's what's actually going to cure or help a person. We're trying to make it this, like, efficient, productive thing, and CBT here and CBT there. Yeah. 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 And it's just like, no, that doesn't work really in the long term if what we're really getting at is helping a a person. Yeah be able to, like, have great relationships and feel good about themselves and feel good about their relationships with yeah. others, which is like, really what life is about. Yeah, I love that you gave the example of CBT because, like, you can take the logic of CBT to defeat that logic in the sense that when someone has a core belief about something that they're not good enough, it probably has come from a relational experience. Yes. Mm. And then you can teach them all the stuff and like have them repeat it and have them say to themselves in the mirror and give them endless amount of worksheets and make them believe i'm saying this in air quotes that like they are not that person and like they are changing and like hope to change their core belief but i think unless that like relational malady is not repaired again in a relational context it's not really going to change Mm -hmm. like i feel like the client really has to believe that you as a therapist believe they can change right yeah and that's not the core belief that they need to stick to or that's not the narrative of their life that they need to stick to otherwise people could do it themselves from a workbook yeah exactly and they're only going to believe it if they believe in their relationship with you absolutely first and foremost yeah just a relationship with each other Wow, y'all, we covered a lot of <laughs> yeah, ground we did. today. Right, you know, Rita, we really didn't just talk about love and We didn't. We started with a lot of love, but we... I mean, just... And it's fine. Yeah, it's, it's totally fine. fine. I love romance. I'm a fucking... Just, I love I, it, too. I, I don't want to make it sound like I don't but like it. But I do. I love love. There's other... Yeah. I'm yes. a hopeless romantic. Love is amazing. Yeah. But yeah. just one last thing to say, I think when we talk about the expressive therapies, mm-hmm. is that we have always 
from time immemorial established relationships through music through dance yes. through writing yes. and saying stories uh, mm-hmm. through performing in front of other people before american music therapy made it there <laughs> in 1950 <laughs> before all the unfortunate like schisms and associations and the need to like what they want to be validated by western psychology yes absolutely yes. and the need to be validated by the medical field right, came about true. us and so like again not remember and again remembering that like relationships are not only verbal are not only romantic are not only familial but like when we talk about agape they can exist through the arts yes and that's what people do time and time again like you'll have these amazing artists who go on to make murals and they have a bunch of people join them and that suddenly creates this community and yes. they're not trained art therapists yeah. but they're doing it because it's therapeutic art yeah. gives us agape it does, art does give us art gives <laughs> us agape art gives us agape there's more relationships than we just fucking passionate <laughs> thank you Munashte for being here yes the thank you so much last thing that we do here. to close I'm our episodes yes I'm so happy you're here art gives us agape it's just like when you go to a museum you don't know who painted this painting but you're looking at it and then you start to cry you feel connected you feel connected that's That's a relationship that you're having and someone made that painting and they turned it into a relational object for you yes think about every festival when people come together when people make food when people make music when people make dance when people have rituals that they perform again and again to reinforce relations between other people whether those relations are relations are equal or not whether they're with elders and younger people Mm -hmm. imparting wisdom or whether it's like a departing ritual it's all relational right Mm -hmm. like it's time for you little birdie to fly I'm letting you go So listen to this episode again. Take notes because there's a lot of good shit here. There was a lot of good shit you can, today. You yep. can actually quote us in your essays and your papers because we're legit podcasts on the internet. And if you're interested, the book that I was using to talk about relational cultural therapy is called Relational Cultural Therapy, and it's by <laughs> Judith V. Jordan. Yes. And if you're interested in researching more about the kinds of love, just do a Google search. Because yep. that's what I did. We also it's on psychology today. The People's Supper. The People's Supper. The People's Supper. Very important. Winnicott and Klein, object relation theory. Buneshe brought up CBT, which is cognitive behavioral theory. By Aaron Beck. By Aaron Beck. Yep. Yes. Uh, and then the last thing that we do is usually talk about how we're going to self-care or community care this week. Mm. Shit, man. I mean, you, you want to go first? Sure. Sabrina, so I'm going to community care this week, and I'm okay. going to read a piece from this book that I think is a good a good piece of information to maybe consider the relationships if you're in your life if you if you feel like they're growth fostering or not. So mm-hmm. this is a direct quote: Growth fostering relationships are characterized by one, an increase in energy; two, increased knowledge and clarity about one's own experience, the other person, and the relationship. Three, creativity and productivity. Four, a greater sense of worth. And five, a desire for more connection. Yeah. Love it. Wait, so what are you going to do? <laughs> this, I'm things. just offering okay. a piece of, oh. like, because, you know, it's helpful to have, like, what is a, a growth-fostering relationship supposed to feel like? Yeah. And those are helpful little things so, yeah, to, to kind of consider. Be aware. Yeah, to yeah, be aware this, of, like, yes. is this a relationship that nourishes yes. me? Yes. Um, or does it feel like none of those things are there mm-hmm. and maybe yeah. I need to 
kind of reflect on my boundaries yes. and, you know, who I give my energy to. Love it. Very yeah. important. What about you, Buneshte? What are you going to um, do for self or community care? For self-care this week and the week after that, I'm going to ask for help because oh, wow. I need it. Mm. I have been terrified to ask for help in certain cases. It's hard. It is hard because um, the narrative I have of myself is that I can do this and I don't need anyone's help. Mm-hmm. But that's really turning out to be not as helpful as I thought it would be. So I'm just going to ask for help when it's there. Yeah. 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 Relationships. Mm-hmm. For sure. I'm going to go to that tutoring center and sit and write what I need to write. That tutoring center is awesome. Then you can come visit me at the Office of Community Service because I'm right across the way. I absolutely can and yeah. I will. Great. We have tr- we have candy. I know. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I love that. Asking what are for you help. going to yeah. do? I am going to remember the boundaries that I've set with certain friends that I love but need to set boundaries with. I really have strong boundaries with people right now that okay. um, have the past couple of years I've set really strong boundaries with people who I love in a filia way on a family way mm-hmm. and in like a um yeah just like a bff like fam squad storge storge yeah <laughs> oh yeah you know chosen family chosen yeah. families and and it's been real hard but I had to have certain boundaries not just with them but with people in my life um, just so that I can focus on grad school and focus on what I need to do. Yeah. Um, and I would say the past couple of weeks, I they've kind of slipped a little bit, and I'm noticing that I'm having anxiety about it. So mm-hmm. um, I think for me, having strong relationships is, and it actually strengthens my empathy, is to set strong boundaries. Yeah. So I will be that practicing is, that. My supervision professor always says, she said this in the first class and I sort of like fell in love with her a little bit she's like clear boundaries are kind boundaries and unclear boundaries are unkind boundaries Mm. and then you can take that for yourself or with other people so when you're setting clear boundaries with other people you're being kind to them as Mm -hmm. well as to yourself yep Brene Brown did a meta research study on compassionate individuals and what came up the most across the most compassionate individuals individuals in the world was that they have really strong, strong boundaries. boundaries. You gotcha. can't be compassionate if you're just yep. like a leaky overflowing bucket. Right. Yeah. And you're letting everything in exactly. because you're not setting boundaries. So it's mm-hmm. hard to be compassionate when mm-hmm. you're pissed off. Right. <laughs> letting everything in. We are <laughs> finite beings yeah. and you yeah. need to always remember that. Yeah. So, all right. In conclusion, love is agape. <laughs> or is agape. Or gives us agape. Or gives us agape. Rewinding whatever we actually said. Relationships are lit. But set those boundaries. Thank you, Bunesh Day, again for coming. So happy to be here. And um, we might have some really fun news coming up and really important news about vitamin POC soon. <gasps> yes, we do. Ooh. But we don't want to ruin it in nope. case we fuck it up. February 22nd, if you're around, Karina and Nessa are doing Build a Bop here at Leslie University. Just we'll post it on our Instagram they're amazing check it out yeah okay thank you so much for coming Vuneshte thank you for listening listeners thank you Corinne thank you Sabrina and Patrika's always with us thank you Patrika and Spirit she's she's still alive yeah (laughs) bye okay we are vitamin POC
Oh, well, how can they reach us if they have? Oh, fucking, we're not doing this great. <laughs> okay. um, follow us on Instagram at vitamin POC. Send us an email at vitamin POC at gmail.com. And this has been 